You're listening to Brumpod, the podcast for small businesses by small businesses. Discussing the topics that matter to you, because they matter to us, including marketing, networking, generating business awareness, as well as covering various business tools and technology. Brought to you by Brummies Networking, the home of free, stripped-back business networking. Produced by Happy Content Co. Welcome to episode 47 of Brumpod. I'm Richard Heathcote and I'm joined as ever by you and Thomas and Jason Jones. Welcome, gents. Good day. Hello. Live from Sydney, apparently. So today we're going to be talking about the subject of are you a specialist or a generalist? There is a common phrase everyone will know, jack of all trades, master of none. A common phrase with, you know, a fairly negative connotation. But the truth is there are distinct advantages and disadvantages to both generalists and specialists. And this pretty much applies whether you're an employee or a business owner. So, both of you, starting with you, and would you classify yourself as a generalist or a specialist? Almost certainly. I think the problem with the coaching industry is very much uh, coaches saying, I can coach anybody. And in fact, my uh, line once was in networking, telling people I was a coaching tart. (laughs) Which maybe is a memorable line that people would uh, think about, but didn't say much about me and wasn't really a good sales point. Oh, no, he said a lot about you, Ewan. (laughs) He said you're prepared to call yourself a tart in public. But it's not really convincing saying that I know what I'm doing. I think that's that's one of the things that um, if you want to convince people you've got expertise, then you need to have that expertise, and that can't be expertise in everything. Yeah. And I think that's certainly the case with uh, certainly business owners who are setting up if they're either one-man bands or part of a very small team. Without really any choice, you do end up having to be multi-skilled in a multitude of ways, in a whole array of different fields. Because the truth is, for the for the most part, in the early days of any business, you, there aren't other people around you that could easily do that, or more likely that there aren't funds available to bring in the various specialists in various fields that you would like to. So for the early days especially, you do need to be a bit more of a generalist. Well, absolutely. well there's nobody to delegate to. That's the issue. Yeah. Indeed. But yeah, you've you've got to cover the the, the sales and marketing, the accounts, uh, the everything. So why would you also want to cover all kinds of different things in the in the uh, in the service that you provide, rather than make making life easy and just just effectively providing one service and doing it really well? Yep, Jace, would you be a Classified as a specialist or a generalist? I'm going to be one of those people that could answer the question both ways. Because oh, here we go. <laughs> my field is sales. In I'm My speciality is sales. But in my career, I have sold everything from magazine advertising to office space to self-storage warehousing I've worked behind bars where it's you know you sell more pints if you learn how to uh, how to sell with a smile. Um, yeah, I'd say I can sell. You know, in my industry, selling 
the product can be learned or the service, the ability to sell, that is something you have to be trained for. But yeah, could I turn my hand to something outside of sales? Yeah, I've learned a lot more skills. But yeah, my speciality sales, but it's still a very, very broad field. Down the market, apprentice style, selling fish three for a pound. Oh, no, not the apprentice. The problem is that <laughs> I don't change, but every year they get younger and stupider. Yeah. Yeah, that's safe to say. And that is not selling. Selling is identifying that somebody has a need, addressing that need, and then getting the go-ahead to solve that need and get paid for it. It's not particularly difficult, and it's funny how people get it so wrong, where it's more a case of, I can sell anything to you by using mind games and wordplay and trickery to part you from your cash before you realize that I've got one over on you. That's not selling, that's con artistry. You and, and don't you look them in the eyes. <laughs> yeah, you only make a bad someone. Not in the look into the eyes, look into the eyes, not around the eyes, into the eyes. <laughs> but so you know those kind of skills you could say are very specialist, but they can be applied. And I suppose that's one of the definitions that you would you'd be looking to establish is where do you draw the line between having a speciality in quite a broad field and just being a generalist? I think one of the things. That we often see online when you when you see people posting uh, job interviews, uh, job listings that end up sounding really quite comical uh, because they expect people to have a huge set of skills in in a whole array of fields uh, that they're required to have for any particular role, and some you know almost to ridiculous levels like seeking fresh graduate with twenty five years experience. You know, it's just not remotely feasible. I think more and more people are expected to know about, you know, a whole multitude of uh, various uh, software platforms and no in-depth knowledge of various industries, uh, marketing, sales, design, SEO, website design, office tools. You know, the the list is never-ending on what a lot of people expect of other people. It can be heartbreaking when you look at um, job vacancies and you think, this is perfect. I've got no requisite num years of experience. I could do this job. I have parallel skills. And then the application asks for a very specific knowledge field. And yeah, sometimes you think, are they being too specific? And then other times you think, actually, I want a doctor, not a vet with a can-do attitude. You know, there are times <laughs> when having parallel skills and ambition aren't quite enough. I think you have to work out which of the things they list are actually important, or, or at least more than important, which are actually vital. Uh, if you can hit that and, you know, 90% of the others, then I'd always say go for it. Yeah. And certain things can always be learned on the on the job as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think yeah. let's have a look at the we don't, we've been doing some research and we have good some good resources which are in the uh, episode notes as well. So let's list to start off with some of the advantages of being a generalist. So knowledge is power, good understanding and wide selection of topics and skills. Uh, work with others to solve issues and get ahead. 
can see deeper into the interconnectedness and find solutions a specialist might not be able to. Understanding different things that can help make better decisions. In a fast-changing world, you have more transferable skills. Generalists tend to be the leaders and managers within organizations. There's more career flexibility, better at navigating through uncertainty, better at adapting to any environment, and ability to offer multiple services and be able to multitask. So there's, yeah, there's some real good positives there. And some of the disadvantages they list are possibly sacrificing depth for breadth. Generalists can have loosely defined roles, so job security may suffer and inability to recognize skill potential. Yeah, can I, can I just interject there, sure. uh, Richard? The comes back to the job description point, which is I've, I've read job descriptions, and there are a lot of words there, and I've actually got no idea what the job entails. Yeah. And similarly, with CVs, you know, you, you, if it's so general you can't really tell what anybody's done, it's not going to be attractive. Yeah. Yeah, well, that is a tendency to try and pad a CV out with power words like delivered, exceeded, achieved. And, yeah, they're not looking for a dictionary. They're looking for, um, can you do the job? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah so I mean, something is a fluff, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, something you mentioned with those advantages and disadvantages about depth and breadth, there's the apocryphal, so not entirely accurate, but good description of business managers, specialists versus generalists. And it's they call it the army versus the SAS. The army has a very vertical structure. So it's got a lot of depth, for it, but it's very narrow. So if a private has an idea, they have to go to, through their PFC, through their corporal, through their sergeant, through to a second lieutenant, all the way up the chain till it gets to the general. And if anyone along that chain doesn't like the idea, it dies there. So you have this top down that the general is supposed to know everything about everything. And when they give their orders from the top, it comes right down and you follow. Doesn't necessarily go the other way. The SAS analogy was different, which is you could have a second lieutenant in charge of four sergeants. Each of those sergeants is a specialist in their own field. Um, and then what would happen is wherever they're deployed, whatever the terrain is, the second lieutenant, the guy in charge, is a generalist. And he goes, right, we're in this situation. Right, you're the specialist here. What do we do? And that sergeant goes, right, what we have to do is this, 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 and this. And then his boss just goes, right, men, what he said. And that's specialists and generalists applied in a very effective way uh, if you want to be very agile. If your business requires a lot of structure and discipline, you'd probably go to the, uh, the army analogy more. But yeah, that's where you've got that depth of knowledge versus the breadth of knowledge. Yeah, I like it. Good analogy. May not be entirely accurate for anybody that has served in the forces, but it does illustrate a point, and that's what gets the that's what gets used in a lot of sales training. Okay, yeah, I, I haven't done sales training. Well, that's probably self evident. <laughs> <laughs> 
that would explain the um, the uh, sackcloth you're currently wearing. Yeah, and you were uh, you burning some of your old tax returns to keep warm. <laughs> I mean, another great example of a generalist was the guy, the author of How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie. Yep. And one of the great stories about him was a lot of people assumed that he was very knowledgeable and an expert in their field. He wasn't. As a sales trainer, as a salesman, he'd learned effective questioning. So what he would do with, when he was having a conversation with a specialist, he'd ask, he'd be interested. They would tell him what they did, and then he would try and equate it with something that he knew. So they would talk about this big complex you know thing that they were working on and he'd go so that's a bit like this and they go oh yes you get it so you must be as smart as me in this field and he wasn't he was just able to communicate with them you know in a in a frame that they understood and that can make a great generalist work very well with specialists when you have two specialists and they don't understand each other that's where you could get uh, friction within a, uh, any sort of project or organization. Or where they do understand each other, but they're, they're kind of vying for, for being the more specialist specialist. Yes, because then they can take the lead. Mm. So talking of specialists, let's have a look at the advantages and disadvantages of that category. So advantages, there is the ability to earn more money. A specialising takes longer to study, positions narrowly defined, salaries are often higher. In a more unique, sought-after position for being headhunted, being the go-to person everyone wants, potential to become a true thought leader in your area of expertise, ability to resolve high-level issues, and ability to streamline work processes. So again, pretty good. I mean, that's a good list. It's a fair description, and if anyone's ever worked in the health service, um, you know that one of the great examples of generalists and specialists is general practitioners. Your GP um, covers everything. Sorry, there's a bike going past my house, if you can hear that buzzing noise. I thought it was um, a wasp. But a great example is in the health service, general practitioners. Your GP has to cover a broad range of basic ailments and when they identify something they then refer on to a specialist yeah and one of the most important things about networking and business is knowing when you're a generalist and identifying a need and being able to refer that on to a specialist and bring in someone that may do what you need that you're you yourself or staff maybe don't have those skills and then you outsourcing bring in some- rather than or delegating upwards as it's often called yeah Uh, so disadvantages of being a specialist can suffer from career inflexibility being too narrowed of focus whilst not necessarily confined to one specific job title job opportunities become smaller in comparison to generalists whilst you may be the go-to expert in your organization in your field of work your opinion on other issues may not be as valid While specialists can expect better earning opportunities, finding suitable positions may be harder to come by and tougher. Specialising can hinder success in environments where there's less repetition and more randomness and changing times. Uh, Possesses limited abilities, inability to multitask possibly, and difficulty to conform to change. 
Well, you talked about the jack of all trades earlier, the generalist. This is now your one-trick pony. What happens when that trick falls out of favour? They're more of a dead donkey. See, I got that analogy in. (laughs) (laughs) Your fax machine one was better. Go on, do that one. So, or yeah, or, or your lamplight, your gas lamp lighters. You know, you may be very specialised at what you do, but uh, it's almost like uh, you know, petrol mechanics over the next uh, couple of decades will be specialists and then niche, and then you know, considered almost uh, dealing with antiquities. And your fax machine repair people, which uh, you mentioned before we recorded. Yeah. I mean, there is still a niche that faxes are still used in certain industries. Talking of the NHS, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the NHS is perfect when you have to be careful with data because if you email, if you scan and email a document, there's a version saved on your device. It's gone to a server somewhere, and then there's another version sent across to the end device. So you've now got three versions of that document held somewhere. With a fax, you put it in the fax machine. It goes along. It's you know sent as code to another fax machine, put out as a print on on there, and that's it. And it doesn't get lost in Bogota. So it is more secure than sending uh, via email, and that's why a lot of um, yeah sort of patient records, or if you're dealing with uh, the education authority. And it's to do with uh, you know children will would prefer still to send a document by fax than to email it. There was a quote uh, that I found as well from David Epstein, who was a journalist who was interv- interviewed by the University of Pennsylvania Wharton uh, about a book he'd written called "Range: Why Generalists Triumph in a Specialized World." And he said, the more varied your training is, the better able you'll be to apply your skills flexibly to situations you haven't seen. That's another good definition of why I think, for me personally, being a generalist is slightly better than being a specialist. Personally, I'm certainly a generalist. There is no doubt about it. Over the course of my working career, I've had to adapt to a variety of situations and learn a multitude of different skills because of necessity. I'm a one-man band. Yeah. And but for me personally, I, I, I would, if I was in charge of the uh, the scales of which is better, I would certainly put a little bit more, not a huge amount, but I'll certainly put a little bit more weight on the generalist side as being the more important. Yeah, but I, there are I, completely I, advantages and disadvantages to both, without doubt. I think though that it it depends on what you're looking at, because you know, if ever got a bit, I need open heart surgery. I want somebody who knows exactly what they're doing and has done it before. I don't want my local GP doing it. I've told you before, I've got Google and a Leatherman. But, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know what your problem is. I'm there. I'm willing and able. Mortality, I think, is the uh, problem he has. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, another great analogy is um, musicians. Now, you can have multi-instrumentalists. There are a lot of composers out there that because of the different types of music that they will write, they can pretty much play anything. Or in in their mind, they can bang out a tune on pretty much everything. And it's great that maybe you can play and understand how a piano works, and you can keep rhythm on a drum kit, and you know, you know how chords work on a guitar, but you're not going to be a virtuoso. 
Yeah. You, you, what a lot of composers eventually do is they'll create the music as a demo using their rudimentary skills on each of the instruments and then get it recorded professionally afterwards by musicians that know those instruments way better than them. That's generalism versus specialism. Those virtuosos do not know how the other people play, whereas the composer knows how everything works, but they won't yeah. be able to do it to that standard. So hopefully that's given you a little bit of food for thought. I think there is certainly no right or wrong answer. It's all about what your field of work is, whether being a specialist is more applicable and more important than being a generalist. Or if you're in a smaller business, maybe being more generalist is more important and then bring in the specialists when required. But only you can decide that. But the, the phrase jack of all trades, master of none, there is some truth to it with an obvious negative connotation, but there are pros and cons on both sides. Well, we are the city of a thousand trades. If you, uh, if you only know one, then um, either know it very well or learn some more. But interestingly, Birmingham was built on small workshops, not big factories. So one workshop would do one thing and then pass the, uh, the bit of metal on to somebody else to do the next thing. So yep. maybe that's uh, that kind of collaboration and working together is a way forward. Absolutely. Well, that pretty much wraps up episode 47. Thank you for listening. And we shall catch you on the next one. You've been listening to Brumpod, the podcast for small businesses by small businesses. Brought to you by Brummies Networking, the home of free, stripped-back business networking. Produced by Happy Content Co. Follow us on Twitter, at Brumpod. You can subscribe to future episodes using Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and several other podcast platforms. Just search for Brumpod. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard, then please do consider leaving us a review. Music by Bureaucratic. We'll see you on the next episode.